0: Ferrari and McLaren looked strong in Barcelona, where Mercedes and Red Bull sandbagging in Spain. And how far have teams like Williams and Haas progressed? All this and more on this episode of the Racing Line podcast. You hate Aussies. You like Michael
1: talking about man Danny Rick has been my man ever <laughs> literally ever since he came to McLaren. And then I had Danny these Rick. then I had yeah then I had these bloody ugly helmets and poor performances and then he sprinkled in a Monza victory to sweeten the deal
0: but nah nah it's all good always boys all good always.
1: That's his new that's his new thing <laughs> eh on his helmet.
0: Nah, that was last year's well, I don't know what I can't even read what this year says.
1: I don't know what it is but it's just absolute rubbish. It's like yeah.
2: Anyway, let's begin. Oh, my
1: gosh. Danny Rick, what are you doing, son?
2: We love
0: you,
1: dear. <laughs> I hope Lindo's got a
2: nice helmet this year,
1: eh?
2: Oh, can we get over it, please? My oh, god. I,
0: I hope so. Um, all right. He'll, he'll still be seeing the back of Danny Rick's car, so it's all good. It doesn't matter what he's wearing on his head.
2: it will fucking nicer than the Earth car, so who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, Blue way. and pink doesn't go
0: together either. But anyway, let's continue. <laughs> All right, let's uh, we'll start proper then. So,
1: what is this episode 22 of the Racing yeah. One podcast, guys? Um, bit of a coming to an end of our pre season, um, season essentially, which is good to hear. But we've got a, a little bit to talk about tonight with Formula One, uh, and then we'll, we'll do a supercars pod as well this week as well. But there's a, a little bit of news coming out of Formula One. Firstly, the obviously the big news was the unofficial test. Um, Which took place at Barcelona, uh, you know, just the week, the weekend gone by. Essentially, Uh, what did you guys make of it? Start with that.
2: Um, I thought it was, I thought it was good to have some news coming out. I mean, we couldn't really see much, um, and it's probably going to be a bit hard to sort of make any real conclusions Mm -hmm. other than lap uh, um, amount amount of laps that the teams put together. But yeah, it was awesome just to have F1 back. See the drivers back. We'll see how long we got Mazapin for now. Um, and I heard that I, I heard was, that Ferrari already lobbying, um, Haas for Giovinazzi. Yeah, but I also heard Gunter say that it, it's um, Fittipaldi. Fittipaldi's seat, and I'd like to actually see him in in, F, in F1 to be honest. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was, I think it, it, it's great for it to be back. I was surprised with the amount of laps that some teams did, and uh-huh. I was a bit interested with other teams as well with the lack of laps that they put together. But all in all, I think as a, as a new generation of F1 is beginning, I really think there was a lot of cool signs. And I mean, just the overall look of these cars is amazing. Like I'm a, I'm a fan, I'm a massive fan and I was a fan when I saw the pictures and I'm even more of a fan now seeing him in the flesh. Yeah, I mean, are you, I think you guys have said that as well in the chat that we're all on the same page. But I, I was talking to someone about it and I, and I said I feel like it's not the same as back like when um Schumacher won his last championship with Ferrari, but that whole that idea of the clean top of the car has sort of returned and it really is some uh, like a thing of beauty, like they are beautiful cars. I reckon it almost goes back even further than that
1: to to almost like Mid nineties, yeah, like it's obviously got- a much a much more um, contemporary, you know, take on that on that era. But I feel like there, there's still a lot of harkening back to, you know, the, the the nose coming all the way to the to the front of the wing and and just much cleaner cars and you know cleaner bodywork. So I, I actually, um, that's what I I harken back even you know earlier than the early two thousands to the to the mid nineties early nineties. Um, when I see these
0: cars and kind of what they remind me of which is cool I really like it yeah well I um I took a few things away from it Uh, I took that I was concerned at the end of last year that Mercedes and Red Bull had put all their efforts into last year because the title race was so tight but it seems like uh, and we can't really go off what happened but it does seem like at least we know that they've repeat They haven't. They've avoided a repeat of 2014 Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're going to. There's going to be such a drop. Even if they're not at the top, they're going to be battling for those wins, regardless mm-hmm. of, um, which is good to see. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about that. Is that based? Is that based on the times from day three? I think. I think they were sandbagging day one and two, to be honest. And weren't they, when, weren't they testing at Sandbag City? Yes, sandbags in Catalonia, I think. Um, yeah. But. I think day three, yeah, they did look quick, but I do feel confident that maybe Ferrari is probably looking the strongest. Not so much on the timesheets, but just overall, the package mm-hmm. just looks looks strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and the McLaren, look, they got the third most laps, which is amazing as well.
1: I, I have this thing. Well, I saw, yeah, we can say that McLaren and Red Bull, they probably were, definitely were sandbagging on the two previous days. But when they did lay there, Fast times down. I think on the third day, Red Bull, uh, so McLaren and Ferrari, were kind of keeping their powder dry, because they they really didn't do um didn't do a whole lot. To I mean, Mercedes went out and they tested all the tires and they did the mm. fastest time on the C five. Red Bull only went out really on the C three and they did a, a very good time considering that it was on a on the yes. C three. Yeah, and then um and then. Ferrari and and McLaren never really went higher than the C3. And I think on on the third day, I don't know if they were quietly optimistic about even just from a reliability point of view, what happened the two days before. But I just have an inkling that on that third day, even though McLaren and Red Bull kind of went after each other a little bit just to set the early form, you know, this is all hypothetical, but I have an inkling that Ferrari and maybe to a lesser degree, but, I feel pretty confident about it too. That McLaren as well. They just thought, you know, we've got something pretty
0: decent here. Let's keep our our powder dry for a little bit longer. And even
2: the um, sorry, go H.
0: I'm just liking the the what the drivers are saying too from both teams. Like mm. Daniel came out and said he's enjoying the car a lot more this year. Um, the Ferrari boys, you know, Carlos was on fire. I can't remember if it was day two or day three, but I think the the noise coming out of both teams is they're quietly optimistic, but they're not like we're yeah, they, amazing, realize kind of thing. Yeah, they realize it's still very early. The other yeah. thing that
1: I don't know if you heard about this as well, but um, uh, it was on motorsport.com today that McLaren, you know, for whatever reason, uh, I kind of feel like they were keeping the powder dry a little bit because they were talking to James Key about the whole porpoising issue. And they said, I they, saw kind that. Of, they said they had a little bit of an issue with the porpoising, but in no way to the same effect that, you know, even teams like Ferrari, um, we're having, and we you know saw that Red Bull had to raise the height of their car as well, just to just to try to mitigate that problem a little bit. Um, so even things like that, I mean, it, it's been a a little while since we've that since McLaren have had. I mean, yes, last year they were good, and the year before they were pretty good as well. But they've had a a really good first couple of days. They've got a lot of um, laps on the track. So hopefully, um, we go into. Season 2022 with a little bit more than a top two, and if we get anything close to a top four, um, with the caliber of driver that are in those top four teams, uh, then potentially we have a, a you know a pretty awesome prospect for for the upcoming
0: season. Those four teams, their, their driver lineups are amazing.
2: One mm. thing that I would I'll, I'll probably say before we get into the next topic though is that um, even though like we're looking at times and stuff, which is fine, but it is only the first three days of testing. And like a lot of teams were saying like this is a, in this test especially, they're trying to gauge like exactly the um like the ride height to that optimizes the whole ground effect ground effect with this car. Mm-hmm. And and then this whole porpoising issues popped up as well. And they were sort of saying, um, like it's not a new thing in Formula, it's happened before. Um, but there's but I think it was even Red Bull changed the whole floor of their car on one of the days, like a totally different design. We even saw teams running different like engine covers as well, change the shape to see what um what airflow inside the back and, and how tight the package can be to optimize the performance. Red so Bull had to make... ch-
1: just sorry to interrupt you, but Red Bull had to change the floor of their car. They they bastard, they bastardized it at the test because of the effects of the porpoising. So that was why the floor was changed.
2: That's what I'm saying. What Bas- I'm saying you're you're gonna see all these things happen because it is testing. So they're yeah. gonna run different ride heights, different floors, uh different engine covers because that's what the the money that the big teams have to spend. Like they've got they've got um what's it called? They are running to a plan and and like this is the the six days they get to try all these little trick bits and stuff. So I wouldn't really look into the into the times probably that deeply. But what I will say is that all those teams had really good lap counts as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that they got there, like they, they got the, like the days weren't wasted. Like what is it? The magic number every day is you want to hit a hundred laps a day. Um, And they all hit that. And um, like, in terms of getting information that will then help them in the next test, which um, is going to be more publicized and we're going to have, Greater access to it as well. I think that's when we're going to really see, um, not exactly what their teams have, because I'll be sandbagging again, but we'll definitely see a, a probably a clearer implication, implication, a clearer, uh, implication, uh, implication, uh, clearer uh, idea of which Indication. teams are on top. Indication, yeah.
0: Realistically, I think if McLaren's strong, that's good because you got the three biggest teams, or the other three in the top four. They're going to develop that quickly that even if McLaren is the best car come round one and two, the other three will catch up very, very quickly.
2: Well, the two Russell is looking like looked pretty good as well, to be mm. honest, like in terms of lap counts as well. I think um, that's and
0: becoming a genuine sister car, no longer a, yeah, a junior like, team.
2: The way that this, <coughs> sorry, they still, they still
1: do a lot of work independently, though, mm. um, in relation to developing their, their, um, their, overall uh, aerodynamics that's i'm pretty sure that they have you know um full control over that themselves and they want to do that too but if um, you look at
2: the side pods on that car they're very red bull yeah very red yeah. bull uh, i even you heard know that apparently um because they run the same suspension as red bull that they have to change the housing of all the suspension just to make it look different but in terms of component it's exactly the same just the shells of each part has to be uh, different to the red bull car
0: F1 politics, I love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think about, Um. obviously there's issues with Haas, with the sponsorship and all that, but about the, the way they performed, because we've obviously seen over the last two years they haven't developed that car. They've been putting all their focus toward the reg change. What do you guys think? I was listening to Sam Collins today, um, who's kind of the,
1: the new tech guru for Formula 1, kind of putting, you know, he's the guy that for the last two years it's been... discusses all the changes to you know teams week by week and things like that. And even though they pretty much had you know issues throughout their tests, he seems pretty confident in what um Haas have put together in relation just to the complexity of their design. So obviously there's no validation of that yet from you know lap time and not even lap time but just running running, laps. Running exactly just running laps. Um but you know he seems pretty positive about just the quality of, of the product that he saw the finished product he said it seemed like it had it was the most developed design of all the cars that were at um, Barcelona testing this week which I thought was very interesting um, but at the same time it doesn't surprise me at all um, and you know I, I I don't know I do expect them to to kind of level the playing field a little bit but the interesting thing for me was to see that even though Ferrari have done so well they're two sister they're too you know, sister teams essentially racked up the, the the least laps and none of the reasoning was because of the Ferrari engine. It was just purely, you know, other issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with, you know, I mean, there was, you know, a bit of talk about why they kept the, the test private because of all the issues that they had with the change in regulations, you know, the last time. And, you know, how they were saying something like on the first day, all the cars failed to rack up a hundred laps in accumulation just because of the issues with the power units. But I mean, even though the, the, the shape of the cars are very different, I never really expected reliability to be a huge issue because all the, um, power unit stuff is, is all the same. Like that hasn't changed and they're refined to, you know, a very high level now. So it was, I just thought it was interesting to see the amount of issues that Haas had, but also, um, particularly Alfa Romeo, because they, really are a team that have been trying to say, you know, that, that
0: we're, we're trying to push to the next step. I do think in terms of reliability, they were looking more at componentry, like your suspension, you know, you've got teams that are running different suspension components than what they've done before. Um, you know, if something like that snaps, it'll be pretty, pretty, pretty catastrophic. So I think that was more the, the new design of the car. wasn't so much the power unit that they were worried about.
2: But even the way that the engine, like the, the gear is packaged is different to how it was last mm. year as well. Like the whole, new redesign of the car has had to change stuff as well, even just stuff like heating and, and keeping it like airflow through the car. Like that's also going to change reliability as well in terms of Haas. I mean, the one thing about Haas is that they can't get worse than last year. So they're really starting from like ground zero. I think one thing that's going to be interesting for them though, is that they've got two relatively inexperienced drivers testing the car. So even though they might have a really good car, taking it to another level, with two drivers who probably are probably the least experienced um, pairing on the grid and then asking them to say, oh, this is what we're feeling. Like, what are you feeling? How can we improve this? I think that's going to be a bit of a challenge in and of itself. Um, yeah, but at the really- same time, they have also had testing experience with, you know, other teams. And yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disputing that. But what I'm saying, like, if you think of it logically, they have got the le- least experience out of any pairing on the grid, like, and that's got a. That's got. Yeah, be, but we're also
1: talking about a car that's completely different. So everybody's kind of starting, like everybody's learning now. I don't like you know. Yeah, but, but yes, with, there's experience with, with,
2: with, the with drivers with, who have been through through multiple generations of car, and, mm. and engineers who have been through multiple generations of car. They might yep. be able to say, well. I'm not able to rotate the car in this kind of corner like this car. And, and, and you might. Have yeah, but then, engine. but then that,
1: that whole argument, I think falls flat when you look at people like uh, George Russell, like Albin, like Lando, like How? even Charles. Albin's in a top team. Russell's they, tested that. But they have, quality. they've only raced it. They've only raced in that. They haven't gone through a generation change before just like these two other drivers haven't
2: Yeah, but you've got Hamilton who's been in a generation change in, in McLaren I'm mm-hmm. not saying Williams is in a better position I'm just saying that their drivers have got a couple more years and then most of the big teams have, mm-hmm. have got drivers who have been through the wars a bit longer that's all I'm saying I'm, I, and this is in relation to Haas who had probably what you'd describe as the shittest season any team has probably had in the last 10 years Like that's, what, that's where we're coming from but I don't that's think what yeah, I'm measuring but, it against. yeah yeah you're,
1: you're, I don't think it's the. You're saying that the, the fact that they've got inexperienced drivers means that they can't develop the car. And the point I'm trying yeah, to make I'm is saying
2: that it they've limits got limits the way that they can develop the car.
1: Yeah, but you can say the same thing for any driver who hasn't dr- driven in a previous generation before.
2: realistically. Yeah, because they've still had more years in Formula One. I don't
1: agree with that. I think it's. If you've raced in Formula One for a season, you've done enough enough laps
2: to. I'm to, sorry, I didn't know. I, be I forgot it. I was addressing the Oracle. It's okay. I'm
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> Oracle Red I Bull. Just, um, I just <laughs> realistically, um, Mick Schumacher, we have we know historically performs better in his second year anyway. So hopefully there's a bit of an upturn in performance there. Yeah, you
1: know, I, I heard uh, interest. I heard an interesting thing yesterday that was actually quite bizarre, and it was that Mazepin hadn't qualified within four tenths of Mick Schumacher in any race
0: last year. The guy's shot. That was I, Why I is didn't surprise C C tweet from Jeremy Clarkson.
2: That's
1: just yeah, that's just I just thought it was bizarre. And you know, come back to your point then if they were to take um Fittipaldi over Giovinazzi, would that be a mistake? Because Giovinazzi has had years testing for Ferrari, years as a sim driver for Ferrari, years in the um, Alfa Romeo, um, do you think that would be a better option for them to go down if, in fact, the whole Euro Kali situation falls through like, you know, it de- like it, de- it is expected de- to?
2: It depends on number one, um, what their ambitions for the season are, obviously. Number two, I'm sure they could, that Fidipaldi could probably, they could probably get some sweet sponsorship deal coming from Fidipaldi. I mean, there's always money coming in from Brazil. Um, I mean, they probably love to have a Brazilian on the on the on the on the grid anyway. Um, in some ways, it would be. But having said that, Fittipaldi has been in F1 test like testing roles for three years now, and we definitely. Yeah, I think he his, I think he did one race, talent. didn't he? He raced yeah, in he's, Dubai after yeah. we, definitely know his, we definitely know he's. That's like, right. Like some some potential, so I would actually like to see what that potential is. I mean, we've seen. Jovanotti for the last couple of years, and realistically, he wasn't. You would say he probably wasn't even better than Raikkonen last year. So, I mean, I'm, I would be happy for him to come back. I would like to see someone fresh. Saw so, um, these fresh faces.
0: I saw um, quality Australian journalism from news. dot com. dot au today, linking Oscar to that seat. I had a bit of a chuckle.
2: Oh, I would. I Gee, would that actually would be like interesting. To see Oscar yeah, in that seat, well, that's like.
0: I doubt. I doubt Alpine will let him go.
2: I don't think they'll let him go. I they wouldn't they have to let him go.
0: They could just loan him out for the. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is that the right seat? Is that the right no, seat? That would if be I was the Oscar, two.
2: I would probably probably not want to take it in Correct. some respects. Yeah, no, I think I'd want think... be in a better car. But having said yeah. that, any any reps are good reps. Mm. Like, look at Danny Rick. He was in the HRT first, and. <laughs> There'll be, no, there'll be literally rux.
1: no expectation on him. And the thing for him is he would it would be the last two F2 champions racing for that same team. So regardless of external expectations, um once he got used to the whole environment, it would be interesting to see it would be an interesting thing to see him against Mick Schumacher because Schumacher normally takes a year to warm up, whereas Piastri historically can come in straight
0: away and do the job it um, won't happen because Haas is going to want someone with massive sponsorship money yeah
1: well who knows maybe Alpine see the value in Piastri and they might you know probably mm. a few bob so that maybe. might be um that that would be interesting but I don't know it, how likely it is.
2: different though yeah. because they've got totally different engine manufacturers yeah that's right like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah can, that's the, the biggest hurdle I suppose
0: it uh, is an
1: Italian name though Piastri so yeah not wrong Whatever that's worth.
0: Um yeah. So any any hot takes after testing? I know it's difficult to uh mm. difficult to do after the first test, but
2: Williams best of the mid-pack.
0: Mate, I was about to say <laughs> this is the first year in a long time that Williams have gone under the radar at testing. There's been okay. no there's been no mechanical stuff ups, there's been no like you know, starting late, there's been like all of that. It was just Williams just got the job done, and I, it's, I think it's a good sign.
2: I really think I like. I really think that in some ways, this whole new takeover has been like a real blessing for them because they've been able mm. to totally like reinvent themselves um, as a team, and and like with this new management, like there's probably that familiarity with how the team was run before has probably been shaken up quite a bit. Uh, and this team is looking at this team as an investment, and they probably want to put their best foot forward. But yeah, I was I was a bit surprised with how smoothly that testing went this year, as opposed to the last couple of years. And um, just the number of laps that they put in, I thought was a good sign. Like you definitely know, no matter what, they're getting down some some useful data. I think they were the the third team in terms of laps this testing. So I mean, that was. Really like surprising, but also like surprising in the way that you want it to be. Not, not like, oh, we we burnt the car or we we did 12 laps of testing on the first day, kind of thing. You know, I mean, it it was three years ago, ago then Williams were one and a half days late to testing for crying out loud. I think it does. Sorry, Harry, keep going, bro. Yeah, I was just
0: gonna say, it does seem though, you know, how last year we had the Mercedes power unit, it seemed to be a bit unreliable, they had to keep changing them. Yeah, going off testing, all the teams that are running the Mercs seem to be the most reliable well Williams is running the um yeah a lot of them blew up on the last day though but other than Aston McLaren Merck Williams they were all all pretty seamless I think
2: Williams for the first year now is running the whole um Mm. Mercedes package so engine gearbox and drivetrain whereas they were very reluctant to run that previously under old management and then first year in new management they're like now we're just going to get what's you know why wouldn't the, you? Best, the best part of in the like you know what's reliable and we'll yeah, it's, reinvest it's those funds that we part s- of the car so why wouldn't mm. you do it hey? but it's smart because it's like we can reinvest yeah. this money we're spending and these engineers we're spending on on stuff that can make more of a difference in other stages if we know that this part we're buying is actually like bulletproof I think what
1: you're, I think you make a good point. And I think what we're seeing with Williams is essentially what we saw with McLaren three years ago. There was obviously a take, McLaren wasn't the same kind of takeover, but there was a change in management. There was a new regime that was implemented and the new regime had no, you know, historical ties to the last 10, 15 years and systems and processes that had been in place, maybe even stubbornly. um, And you're just seeing, you know, a very clear, a very new direction. And, you know, the sole objective is to improve the team and not saying that previous systems weren't trying to do that. But even if the case of a team like McLaren, yes, they were trying to improve. But while they were trying to improve, there was still a lot of ego. There was still a lot of, it can't be us, that's wrong. You know, there, there was belief in their system to a fault and there obviously was a fault uh, and change was required. And you're seeing with McLaren now, if the you know, new structures that have been put in place and new people that are, you know, working within the team that you know, they're able to systematically you know, improve the car over the last couple of years. And I think you'll, I think you'll see a similar trajectory with Williams.
0: It's a good comparison. Uh, I like it.
1: Yeah, I think they're just a couple of years behind McLaren. And hopefully what this rule change does is rather than having to wait three years to build, it might be a faster transition to the top. Uh, I don't know if kind they,
2: of. Do you think that their ceiling can be as high as what McLarens can be though, just as the, sort of the team that they are?
0: I don't think I with th- the drivers they've got. Yeah,
1: the drivers thing is going to have to is going to be an issue. Maybe
0: um, with I, Albon, I think Albon. I
1: think Albon could be. Some. Something... I think he's solid, but I don't think he's. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree. Okay. I agree with that, but I think for them, before they worry about drivers, they've got to worry mm. about the, the car and the team and the package. And then once mm, I, that's I... established, I mean, what I think Albon could do is he could get results that show the potential of the team. And then once that potential is there and there's, you know, good, a good buzz around the team, then you might find someone who's willing to play the decent pay packet. Who's who's willing to go play the Daniel Ricciardo Renault move and, and, and and take a risk on them, but they need to show some level of um, improvement improvement before that. Um, It's interesting. Like Carlos Sainz, you know, when he went to McLaren, he was coming off, you know, pretty lean years. People kind of knew that he had talent, but there wasn't really a whole lot to show for it at that stage. You know, took a risk probably because he had no other options and went to McLaren. And then, you know, the car was better than people expected. And 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 look what we think of him now and look where he is now in his career. And, you know, I think there's a there's a comparison that could potentially be made with with Alpine and, and Williams and potentially if they pick up another driver as well. You know, I think there's a very
0: similar trajectory that could be plotted. What do you what guys think is- of Alpine? I don't know if you were gonna. What were you gonna say, Joey? Totally different. So we'll go to ah. Alpine. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: um, it's you... pretty just business as usual for them. To be honest, they didn't really make many headlines, did they? Mm. They
1: blew the engine up. Yeah, but I also On heard the second that day they told us they were going to blow the engine up. though. Yeah, they? they said they were going to run it hard just to just. To... <laughs> I actually don't mind that though because I think in testing you might as well try it just to see what the limit is in how far you can push the limit. Um, and I you know I think in the past uh, Alpine Renault had been obviously trying to improve, but there was because I feel like there was a lot of pressure on Cyril because he had set all these expectations that he wasn't really achieving. So there was also the pressure of performing at the expense of, you know, trying to bust through ceilings and 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 you know, daring a little bit. And I think with the new management, they've obviously got time. I think because of the cap now, the, the um, salary cap, I think that allows them to say, regardless of what happens this year, it's not like we're going to have to keep on investing more and more like what they were doing in the past. They're like, screw it. Let's just push, see where we end up. And then, you know, hopefully something
2: sticks. Um, what do you think about how effective this whole salary cap is going to be? Because you would think, really, that the top teams will find ways around it. There's still going to well, be a hierarchy. It's
0: not a salary cap. It's a budget cap, yeah? Oh, budget cap, budget yeah.
2: cap yeah, budget yeah, right. yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 like, um, well, yeah. Surely I'm gonna...
2: there's, there's going to be... Like, Formula 1 teams are the kings of finding loopholes. There's surely mm. going to be some way around it. And and, and even, what, like, we heard on last week from our friend James on the podcast, he said that teams will just make spend that money making their simulators so much better so that they can simulate that that that, that real world testing into simulation testing and no. really there's not much you can you can do to stop simulation testing cuz so it's just a computer game it,
1: Do you know what the interesting thing about that is though and I, I i think there's you know this week has shown to that firstly i think you'd be naive to think that the sell, the budget cap was going to create just you know, a level playing field for everyone. I think that's just naive. Hopefully what it does do is that it just decreases the distance between the top and the bottom so that it's yeah. a little bit more competitive. But then also, if we're talking about simulations and things like that, look at how long teams have had to work on these cars. And then the fact that they are being developed now with downforce as the, oh, sorry, with um, downforce being generated from the bottom of the car as opposed to the top. I mean, after all the simulation and testing that they've done for the last two years, this whole porpoising issue mm. still couldn't be simulated till they got on track and the engineers said as much. So even if there is that level of simulation that happens, I think the fact that, and I might be completely wrong, but I think the fact that we've seen the the necessity for on-track correlation now might mean that all the you know simulation in the world in the wind tunnels isn't going to give you know the same feedback as as once it gets out of track, so who knows if yeah, the simulation is going to be just as effective.
2: But then you think about it as well like now that they've had this porpoising issue, they'll go through the data and they'll just plug those out that that data into an algorithm which is, that, that will then yeah. be able to simulate porpoising to an even what, better degree. And yeah. what some I, of the engineers were saying, yeah, I was gonna was say,
1: I, hard to generate it in like because they knew they. From you know, from what James Keys was saying, Key, they knew that the issue was going to come up. Engineers were aware that with the downforce being generated underneath the car with ground effect, they knew that the porpoising was going to be an issue. But they weren't able to simulate it, you know, until they you know they weren't able to simulate it as part of their testing. They I were think it was, when you,
2: but when you stack it, a year's data on a year's data on a year's data, yeah. to get three years into this system. They're obviously gonna be better at it.
0: I can't remember if it was James Key or Andrew Shovelin from Mercedes who said the most realistic road that they have in a wind tunnel that they used to test their car did created zero porpoising. So they weren't there's no direct correlation between how good they're – because we know they've got the best wind tunnel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, and it created none of that. So they were, I don't know, taken by surprise, I guess, by the amount it was happening.
1: I, I get your point. I do think, Joe, that they will get on top of the problem and understand it in more detail, and that data will then be able to help them drive development more accurately. I understand that. But if if it is hard to simulate that whole you know, issue, and it seems like it's a pretty big issue, then it who might. Was the
2: teams who suffered from it the most? Was it Ferrari?
1: From what I heard, most teams were suffering from it pretty badly ferrari had it, had it had pretty bad red bull had it mercedes had it mclaren interestingly enough didn't have the issue very badly at all but then they were adding all these other pieces to the car just as part of testing and they found that once they added some elements to it the porpoising started and then once they reverted back to their their initial package it kind of stopped again so they obviously said we'll use that now to correlate what the issue might have been um but it was pretty pretty consistent i think they were saying that toro rosso had Um some pretty considerable porpoising as well. And the only issue is that you probably don't know about what Haas and Alpha Romeo had because we didn't see them enough enough to to even yeah, to even get that.
2: But yeah. What do you think of this whole news now with Andretti coming into Formula One? And it seems to be really picking up a bit of steam. It's picking up steam with
1: everyone except for the
0: bloody teams that are in F1, which is
1: I yeah, think it's naive, from
0: from from what I read today. It, it's it's Mercedes and Red Bull, yeah. And Zach Brown's come out. Did you see what Zach Brown came out and said?
2: Yeah, Zach Brown.
0: I liked what he said. Yeah, he and said, um, it's very short-sighted of them to look yeah. at look at it that way. Yeah, because they might lose their distribution of money a little bit in the first few years, but the, the fact that Andretti is going to create such a buzz in the US, yeah, you're going to get that yeah, money back. It's,
2: Formula What'd One's been think? dying for an F one team in, from America. And and when Haas came in there they were they are a name, like in term, especially in mm. um, Nascar at the time, like a massive name. But the the the, the name and the mystique of, of a team like Andretti, number one's gonna generate like so much more buzz. So Mario's a more... world champion. Like but, like but just even if you look at the 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 level at which mm. um that team is run in, in all yeah. the ways like in all it operates the, at the highest the, level. Like it's a, it's a, it is a, a class or um, operation. And I was thinking about it when I was watching IndyCar today. <laughs> I was so thinking, was I. <laughs> I was thinking, man, I just want to see Colton Herder in an F1 car. Because I think out of, out of most of the, the young guys in IndyCar, he's never had the chance. But I think if you look at the guys he's racing against, he is the top young driver in, in, in mm-hmm. IndyCar. Him and Pado. But, um, no, nah,
1: not even Pato, I think it's him and Pelo. Yeah, I don't
0: yeah, know I, I, don't I, know if I think there's, that that yeah, one. I think there's a lot of buzz around Pato, but I think it's only because he drives for McLaren, yeah, and he's Do Mexican. Pato. Got a lot Pato of money.
2: Came, he's good, he's good. He's he came good. close to winning the season last year, like one race, mm. but um, yeah, Colton, ever since he became a pro, has been uh, on the money every time, so I would love to see them bring him into the whole Formula One stable. I would, I just would love to see how he stacks up to be honest. I was reading. Sorry, man.
0: Sorry. I was reading um, now that Andretti's got Grosjean. Yeah. If they go into Formula One, they might sign him for a couple of years in the Formula One team to help develop with a young guy like Herder or someone, which would kind of make sense for a new team to use an established driver, even though we know the issues Grosjean's had.
1: Do we even know that? Like the car isn't the same car the same. he was mm. driving. I don't know. I think that would be a waste for them. I think they'll get more I think out just of having try and buy
2: someone who's yeah, in the category already. The mm. I agree with that more than go get a second than... driver from Mercedes off, or, or, <laughs> or even go get a Danny Rick if he's if they're coming in two years. Who knows? Someone. Like what are that. they
1: saying? They're saying twenty twenty four, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Yes, with an Alpine engine agreement already mm. in yeah. place, which is pretty awesome. FIA is dragging their feet, and is is it because of the teams? Well,
1: they need a they need a res, they said they need a response mm. by the end of the week, pretty much, so they can because they need to start putting things in motion, which is fair enough.
2: Yeah. Um, One thing I thought I was know. stupid was when uh, I can't remember what it was someone said they need to have like certain billion dollar like a billion or four dollars billion
1: dollars billion or something ready Benny, to go. Benny, Benny yeah, was it was like, Toto yeah, Wolff.
2: Toto Wolff. But they're coming in. They're not trying to become Mercedes. They're probably going to try and, you know, battle with the mid pack. I thought um, it was so a two hundred
0: million dollar buy-in,
2: but just you I mean, were saying to to set I'm everything just, like to saying, get to the uh, to be yeah competitive. Okay. And I'm thinking like we're trying like F1 is a sport that is still trying to grow, especially in the hmm. US market. Like what you like, especially from Toto. I thought that was a very like un. Competitive comment for someone who always comes across as wanting to be, you know, yes. in a, in 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 the best fight that they can be in kind of. Yeah, I think what you got to think about with particularly Toto and
1: even Horner as well is that they're obviously they, Their whole they've been, you know, team managers and things. like They've always been in the situation of promoting what's in the best interest of their team within the sport. Whereas you look at someone like Zach Brown, and you know, obviously now he's in the role of promoting his team as the director of McLaren, but you know, his whole history with formula one has been in sponsorship and promotion and and trying to generate buzz for teams, you know, so for for him with his marketing mind, I think he's a lot more open to thinking about the bigger picture and the spectacle. And I do think it's short-sighted because if you think about um, the fact that there's going to be two American races now as well, I mean, think about how much, if, if, if one was to take off in America and if, there was to be a semi successful american team think about the you know the the corporate america that would be interested in investing money into formula 1 you know i think
2: yeah. uh, i think it's pretty Dude, dumb there's definitely money in motorsport in america that's not that's, oh. that's not a question that's what okay. i mean
1: that's what i mean so the, the money could if it found itself in formula 1 you know all the teams would reap the benefits of that
0: yeah, yeah. i think they're just worried maybe that they might that the hierarchy might change because Andretti, Andretti is a very, it's, it's like you said, it's a well-oiled machine. I don't think it'll it's take a them long. Name. I don't think it'll take them long to be competitive.
1: The only, the, the only thing is like, like Andretti, they will be competitive. Hmm. The only th- caveat to that is in everything that Andretti do, they are always competitive. They are always a well-oiled machine, well-oiled machine, but they are never the dominant team mm-hmm. in whatever sport they're it is that pretty
2: they're doing dominant in IndyCar. they're in the top two they
1: haven't won a championship for
2: Yonkers they win the indy five hundred they win indy 500 Every couple of
1: they haven't won a championship they haven't you know in um in they've been in supercars for a while now they're obviously getting to the point where they're 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 moving up the pecking order but they still haven't become the dominant team in that so they always are a good outfit um but you know I don't think that they'll ever be you know pushing the tops of Formula 1. Um, you know, if they're competitive and they're in and around the mix, I think that's kind of what I would expect from them as a team in Formula 1. And that's what fine. We think of,
2: what do we think of, just switching gears a bit, what do we think of Scott McLaughlin, say?
1: So good. Big big news, to be honest with you. Um,
0: Penske looked... Oh, both Both cars Penske, were just on rails all weekend. Pensky always good, but... looks
2: good at St. Pete, though. That's one mm. thing that we have to take with a grain of salt. Yeah, there but you know what? He
0: still beat his teammate. Yeah, he did. He beat his yeah, teammate, yeah. and
1: and it was a very Scott McLaughlin race, from what we know of McLaughlin, when the car's there, and when you know he's got free air, when he's you know when the car's there and he's feeling good, like he he'll beat anyone. And I think it's just good to see that. I think it validates his movement to the series. I think it validates Pensky's decision. I mean, there was. I was reading an uh, uh, article a couple of days ago saying that, you know, there's still pressure and it's perform, performance, you know, there was because the second half of the year was pretty ordinary. Uh, he had a few good results in the first uh, half of the year.
2: Roger this week said that there's no pressure on Scott at all. He's here for the long run. No,
1: that's right. But no, he wasn't, he wasn't putting pressure. There was, you know, pressure being made by the media to still validate oh, yeah. that yeah, decision. 100%. And I think he's come in straight away and, you know, you know, he showed a level of maturity that, you know, a years of experience probably gives
2: him. If you um, think about it, there, there, in terms of us from Australia, we definitely know what Scott McLaughlin can do and how dominant he was in supercars. And um but you would think, like from someone, you know, who who only follows IndyCar, get like who's this Kiwi coming from from Australia racing tin tops? You know, what I mean, like it is a bit of a jump. Not thinking about what similarities there is when you think of the way that a a supercar or an indie car, like the power that they generate and sort of the feeling that they have like there's always a lot of people say that they're not too dissimilar to drive. I don't know about that. Yeah, but like what's maybe saying like the the twitchiness and the and the and the way the power is actually put on. But what Um, I
1: was going to say then is that what they wouldn't know, probably to the same level that we would is you know it was number one, it was really hot in St. Petersburg this weekend. So there was a lot, there wasn't a whole lot of grip on the track. There's a lot of off camera stuff and things like that. So if, you know, wheels are lighting up and there's a lot of throttle management for that particular weekend because of the conditions that they were in. Well, then I don't think there's some, anyone better than him, because if you think about his whole, you know, history in supercars with, you know, cars that just want to push, you know, that want to push into wheel spin and managing that and controlling that on, you know, particularly street circuits, um, you know, he does have a lot of experience dealing with that and that probably did work in his favor
0: this weekend, yeah. which is, is great.
1: Just I was watching,
0: sorry, I was watching something um, yesterday, I think it was, and he was saying that he um, took him a year because he's obviously from supercars where you can, you can touch the wall, you can scrape a mirror, you can do all that and it doesn't affect you. Um, and it's taken him a year to find the absolute limit of where that car is on track, if yeah. that makes sense. And I think hopefully we see this year that we see more of these kinds of performances from him and he's more, more consistent.
2: Even think of it like last year, he was learning totally new tracks with a totally new car, like even like just new team, team, but also like the the line of sight that he's dealing with in like a much lower car, the, the, um, how much better the brakes are and you can push into a corner, stuff like that. But in terms of his team, he's in the best team and, mm-hmm. and that's without a doubt, but also he has got probably two of the best teammates in terms of who are going to push him. But, um, if he measures up well against them, like, you know, that he's doing it all on merit, like willpower, King of St. Pete, Joseph new Gun, two-time champion, wasn't even anywhere next to him today. Um, and that sort of can be to do with the track as well. Like it's so hard to pass, but, um, in terms of like a, a dominating, like it, wasn't, it wasn't a fluke win at all. It was a, it was a, a dominating weekend, uh, fast in practice, um, awesome time in qualifying, and then led the race from start to finish. And then I thought at the end he was going to lose it to Palo. I was like, oh, this kid's just going to nip him in the last couple of minutes. Um, and he held him off. So I was like, kudos to you, mate. That's an awesome performance and one that I hope we, we see over and over again.
1: That's really good to see. And I don't like saying good things about Pensky, but that was awesome. Like it's good to see an Australian at the top. You know, yeah. you know those a kiwi Yeah, we always yeah. That's what I mean. Sorry. Yeah, we've, he's, <laughs> not, he's our new Mel Gibson. We he always claim the NBA good Kiwis.
0: That. Yeah. Um, mate, that that IndyCar field, God, it's good. It's studded. It's awesome, dude. It's, it's awesome. Yeah.
1: The sport I'm, I'm is the it. sport is going through a boom right now. Like,
0: I just can they come back to the Gold Coast? <laughs>
1: I read that it's probably not on the cards for a little while.
0: Mm.
1: I was saying that there's still a lot of work they want to do just to reclaim some, some ground in America before they even think about going back overseas. Fair um, enough. And, you know, I think they're doing it, but... Probably about, a little bit I reckon
2: there's about 18 competitive cars like that can win on a given weekend. It's, in, it's insane.
0: Yeah, um, 100%. And you look at someone, we, we mentioned it before, Pato who was in the championship race till the last race of the season last year. And when did he finish? 12th, 13th? Yeah,
2: yeah even, like, look, even Rosenquist was like... And in, Rossi. In the Rossi had a shocker. Like, yeah, I mean, this track is, 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 is notoriously hard to pass on. Like, we know that. Mm. And it's like, once you get stuck in the pack, it is hard to get out. Like, I think there was one stage at the start of the race when it was... Um, there was hardly like any yellows. Two or three seconds between every car. And then there was a pack of six cars with between the minus forty one and minus forty seven um, seconds behind the leader. So, you know, like once you get stuck in the pack, it's so hard to sort you of might. to get through without losing too much time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great for it to be back. It's it's probably one of my guilty pleasures, and I was so happy to see Scott do well, but also just see a competitive open wheel race again.
1: Boys. I think we leave podcast uh, episode twenty-two there for tonight because we got a we still got to record supercars. So <laughs> let's do it. So for everyone Good. listening, um, thanks for listening. Please keep getting on the socials, following, sharing, liking, spreading the word, and um, stay tuned for episode twenty-three. That's going to be out, you know, very soon as well. So have a great night.
0: Thanks, boys. Cheers, bro.